Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's important. And it's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I'll repeat that again. The worlds were framed by the word of God. He spoke and the world was. And everyone said, amen, he spoke it. So the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Now that's our first scripture. Now Romans chapter one, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. And then it says this word, for everyone who believes. Believes what? Believes that God created the world. Believes that the world had a problem called sin. Believes that God sent his son to pay the price for the sin. Believes that God raised his son from the dead, which is the complete gospel. And he sits at the right hand of the father praying for us even in this moment. As the book of Hebrews says, he is our high priest. To do all of that, to believe that God created the world by his words, everything that we see, everything that we do, to really, really believe that speaks to everyone who believes. You have to have faith to believe that. Can you see God? Can you touch God? Can you smell God? I'm convinced if you could smell God, he would smell like Versace cologne, in case you're wondering. You can't. So what do you believe God by? Faith. What happens when you say that to someone who says, give an account for the way that you live your life? They look at you like you're crazy. You ever been there before? You ever tried to share your faith and you couldn't get the words to properly come out of your mouth? You ever been there? You ever tried to convince somebody that you believe in a God who created all this? People say, well, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. Well, someone lit the match. That's usually my response to that one. But there's people who are a lot more smarter in science than, than I am. You have to believe that by faith. The world looks at us and says, you believe that? You're, you're weird. That should be a compliment, by the way. We just don't like that word weird, do we? Come on, some of you, I know the movies you watch. You're weird. (laughs) For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Watch here. For in it, the righteousness of God, righteousness, right standing of God is revealed from what? Doubt to doubt. From what? Oh, faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Today, if you're taking notes, I'd like to speak to you. If you'd like putting a title on your notes, you can do this. I want to speak to you on the subject of faith. It is what it is. Some of you TikTok, Facebook, Instagram people, it is what it is, right? Faith. There's no other way to define it. It is what it is. It isn't something you get to determine what it is. It's what God says it is. The question is, are we people who live by faith? Not feeling, not emotion, faith. I'm a little fired up this morning. Can you tell? I don't know why. I mean, 
The Raiders are still horrible. The A's are still horrible. Father, let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Would you look at your neighbor, give him a high five and say, it takes faith. It takes faith. Omar, thank you so much, friend. Man, sometimes I want to keep the piano by, behind me the whole time. Uh, if we could like, turn it, matter of fact, if you can just pop over to the organ and get ready to do, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've got that in me, but I'd like to. All right, so we're talking about faith. All right, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Because we take a couple weeks off, let's just re, re, reframe or, or kind of refocus our mind here. The book of Hebrews was written by? No one knows. No one knows. I love doing that. No one knows who wrote it. Other than what Dave just said, obviously, Holy Spirit. God, I think God had something to do with that, right? So we don't know exactly who the writer of Hebrews is. Some would say it was Paul, Apollos. Um, some would even say it could have been a woman. We, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. But we do know why they wrote the book of Hebrews. They wrote the book of Hebrews because Jewish Christians who had experienced a risen Jesus who had experienced disciples who the Bible says went and turned the world completely upside down, by the way. The Jewish Christians saw that Jesus was indeed real, he was indeed powerful, that he did exactly what he said he was going to do, but then this problem arose. They started to become persecuted because of their faith. So now all of a sudden, if you believed in Jesus, if you believed in the story of Jesus, if you go back to when Paul was known as Saul, right, you were being persecuted. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that they were being killed, they were being martyred, they were being, they were being cut, they were being literally sawn in half, their babies were being, I mean, they were facing a persecution for their belief in Jesus that I personally think we don't understand as a Western culture. We don't get it. And that's not a put down on us, but we have the freedoms and the liberties to not only believe in this good book, but to preach this good book and to actually take it beyond church on a Sunday morning, take it out into our communities, into our jobs, into our lives, and speak it freely. Now, this might be a good point to say, respectfully, how well do you do that? Rewind back to here, right? Just a thought. Think about it. Because if you go to other places, you're killed for your faith. We don't always see that in the news, but there's a persecution on the church that we don't understand. But then when you go back and you read the book of Hebrews and you see the things that were done to them because they believed in Jesus, it's mind-boggling at times. So what happens? So, so the writer of Hebrews begins to notice that, hey, this isn't good. Like Jesus radically changed their lives and look at them, they're retreating from Jesus. The Bible says that they wanted to go back to their old ways of living, which was full of the law, which by the way, they could never meet. The laws of the Old Testament, the laws that these, these, these priests would put up made it so impossible for people to obtain. They were in bondage to it. And the writer of Hebrews goes, and you wanna, you wanna go back to that? I'm refreshing our memories here, okay? So the writer says, hey, hey, hold on here. Something is much better than what you're trying to go back to. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is so much better. Matter of fact, we used to make this statement all the time. It's all about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. You will be loved for loving Jesus, and you can be hated for loving Jesus, but it all circles around 
Jesus. Think of your life. Think of where you were before God got your attention and saved you. It was about you. Amen? Who got really quiet there. Everything was about us. It's what we wanted. It's where we wanted to go. It's how we, everything was about us until we realized that everything we were going after wasn't what we thought it was going to be. It was actually no purpose, no freedom, no joy. It was empty. It was void. And then the Holy Spirit, who draws a person to repent, somehow got a hold of your life. You prayed the prayer. Jesus came into your heart, and your life radically changed after it. Okay? So then it was about Jesus. Why? Jesus is so much better. So we see this theme, and the writer of Hebrews is going, look, guys, he's better than the prophets. He's better than the priests. He's better than the angels. Jesus is so much better. But if we are going to serve Jesus, step number one is we have to have faith to believe that he is Jesus. And then from there, what do we do? We take our lives and we plan accordingly. And we take steps towards that. We have to understand that faith is so central, not only to the book of Hebrews, but to our lives. And so many times, especially if you've been in church for quite some time, you might be thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, another message on faith? I've been coming to church for 20, 30, and I'm not going to look when I say this, 40, 50 years. I've heard messages on faith, but yet somehow there is still, no matter who we are or how long we've been serving God, that we tend to struggle with how faith works. It's easy to believe in faith when things are going nice and smooth. It's another thing to believe in faith when things are really falling apart. And maybe not falling apart in the way of us losing everything, but maybe inside of our minds and in our hearts. When we start to go, and this world is shaky, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed that. This world is crazy, by the way. And it takes faith to believe that God can still somehow work in the lives of us and others even in this time. So what do we need to understand about this, this life of faith and, and the church of Christ? Well, I would love for you to see this on your handout or on the screen. You have to understand that the things of God begin by faith. They are sustained by faith and they are completed by faith. Everything in faith, it begins in faith. Believing that God spoke the world into existence and it happened. Believing that in our lives when we bring Jesus into the center of it all that we are sustained by that faith. And then I love this part, believing that we are completed by faith. See, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six. think of this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I started thinking about that. Like, you've heard me say this, and it sounds really hard unless you understand the goodness of God. Great song, by the way. If, if, if faith is the only way that I please God, then how do I unplease God? I don't live in faith. Now, it's hard for us to, to, to fathom that God is unpleased with us but I want you to look at it this way. It's not that he's unpleased with you. It's that he is so big and he is so good. Why would you want to live below the level of faith when he's got great things for you? He's saying that I can do things in your life that your mind cannot even understand or fathom, but you're choosing to live below the faith level. And when you live below that faith level, you're limiting what God can do in your life. And this goes on in every single area of your life. 
Think of your life in general, your relationships, your job, your career, whatever the case may be. What are you believing God for? I'm going to tell you many people answer that question. Please don't put yourself down if, if you do. You have no idea. You're not believing for anything. I say this respectfully. You're existing. It's get up, go to work, go home, do it all over again. That's below the level of faith. Now remember, anytime I point a finger at you, I've got three pointing back at me, right? So this isn't just about me being different than you. It's about all of us. Sometimes, why do we live so far below the level of faith when God is saying, if you just have it, I can do this? Think of how much more different our lives would look if we chose to just today, when we leave this place, believe God for one thing in faith that we do not currently have and what he can do with that. But what, what would happen if we got beyond Sunday and tomorrow, Monday, when we're away from church and away from a great worship experience and all of us being together, that we actually believe the thing that we said today, tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and so on until when? Until God makes it happen. Many times we start to believe God big for things, but when it doesn't happen, we then begin to doubt and we walk away. That's not how faith works. Now, I'm going to show you today in Scripture how faith really works, but we have to start with this premise. If my life is to be pleasing to God, I need to be believing God for something. Now, many of us would say, matter of fact, let's just do it. We're a family around here. How many of you have needs in your life that are going unmet? Show of hands. Any type of need. Okay, everyone leave them up, leave them up, leave them up, leave them up, 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 up. Oh, you guys are good, oh, you guys are good, yes. Look around real quick. Keep your hands up, look around, you can do this. Okay, hands down. Okay, hands up, no, I'm just joking, okay, right? <laughs> I just wanted to see. Think of that. Almost every person in this room said, I've got a need in my life. So, have you taken it to God? Do you have faith for it? Because if you haven't taken it to God in faith, believing, we're going to get to this, don't worry, because you can't speak on faith without dealing with some of the misuses of that word faith. We're going to get to that in a moment. I might offend some people here today, either in the room, watching online, or watching the replay on Vimeo. I might. Or the Holy Spirit might do it himself. What I'm saying is, is faith is something and there's a faith that is nothing. So faith, think about this, is the way that we connect with God. It's the way that we live in righteousness. And I love this. It's the way that we will finish our race well. For when we stand before God, well done, thy good and faithful. Oh, we got to be faithful. If we're going to be faithful, we have to live in faith. Man, I'm hoping when you guys leave this place, you could run through a door. I don't know if that's the right proper thing to say, but I want you to be so encouraged by God and his word that you believe him for something big. And I know that when I say that, that we've got people in this room because I know you and we have a relationship. You have been believing God for something big and the reality is it has not happened yet. I get it. I'm not gonna say I understand your pain because it shouldn't be pain. There's belief and there's faith. Although we care for others and we care for things, there should be a part of it that says, man, I cannot wait for God to answer this. It's going to be amazing when God just comes through and answers this prayer. But you have to have faith. Am I getting that point across? You have to have faith? Okay, before I define faith, let me tell you what it's not. I think it's a good place to start. Faith is not desire. It's not a point, just hear me out. Faith is not desire. 
It's not just wishing for something to happen. It's not the type of mentality that says, I really hope this happens. That doesn't sound like faith. It sounds like maybe. Okay, faith is not pretending, by the way. It's not psyching yourself up and pretending that something is one way when it's actually another way. Okay, now everyone look at me and smile real big because I'm getting ready to say something. I might make you mad. If you're sick, you're sick. Okay, there's a little bit of a pause there, so I'm going to push into that. I've met people, good, well-intentioned people, love God with all their heart, their soul. I get it. And they think that faith is not admitting what it, what, what's actually happening. So when they're sick, oh, well, I'm not sick. That's funny. The doctor said you are. Well, no, no, no. No, no I, don't ha- I don't have cancer. Paper says you do. See, some people think faith is psyching yourself up and saying something that is not actually true. We do it every Sunday. You walk through these doors. How you doing? I'm doing great. Not on the way over here, you weren't. You were fighting with your spouse. Your children are driving you crazy. Matter of fact, for some of you, you love coming to church because for an hour, you get to be here and they're there. You get a break. And we love to provide that for you too, by the way. But some of you are like, you have no idea what I'm getting ready to walk out to. But yet when asked how you're doing, you know what you say? I'm good. No, you're not. And some people will use faith that way. They will pretend that something isn't what it is. No, no, no. How could you believe God for something that you're not even willing to recognize? You say, man, I've got worry in my heart, my mind. I'm anxious. Did you know it's okay just to tell somebody, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, that you know what? I'm a mess. I'm going to share with you guys at the end of this message my mess today. I'm serious. I am a mess. Pastor, yes. See, faith is not pretending. You have to understand that. Well-intentioned people, I love them. And I love them enough to tell them, according to Scripture, you're, you're wrong. Jesus himself even admitted his pain. Faith is not a feeling. Oh, this one's good. I'm going to try to feel positive and have positive thoughts. I don't mean to be crude or rude. How's that working for you? It's not faith. Faith is not bargaining. God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Some of you, that's how you actually got your spouse though, huh? (laughs) God, I will do this if you do that. No, no, no. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is this. I would love for you to write it down. Faith is seeing things from God's point of view. Okay, now I'm going to make this make sense. Just write it down. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. Now, right there, some of you have disqualified this message. Because you say, well, wait a minute. Hold on here, Pastor. Scripture interprets Scripture. For God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. I, I get that. But you can still see how God looks at things through the examples of the Bible. 
And you can understand that God puts this principle, especially with faith, in a a very, very good way that we can understand. And I would love to share that with you this morning. Take your Bibles, go to the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Very good. That's kind of like a way that we test each other on knowing the books of the Bible. By the way, if you need a song to help you understand that, I've got one for you. It's phenomenal. You'll rock out in your car every single morning. I don't have a hip-hop version or a country version because, well, okay, I actually do like country. So anyways... Numbers. Everyone say numbers. numbers. I almost said, yeah, I'm going to say it. So they say every seven minutes as a speaker, you need to do something crazy to bring people back in. So there you go. Anyways, Numbers chapter 13. Let me give you the background of what's going on here. We're going to get to the verses. Moses. Everyone say Moses. So we know that Moses has led the children of Israel out of slavery, out of bondage, and out of Egypt. Let my people go, right? Okay. Did anybody ever see that American Idol one where the guy actually sang that song on American Idol? Unbelievable. It's like 20 years old. That dates me, but it was a phenomenon in youth group. Let me just tell you. So Moses has led the children of Israel Israel, out of Egypt, out of bondage. He's the leader. They've crossed the Red Sea. We know that to be true. They've been in the wilderness for about two years. Keep in mind, because they just chose to simply disobey God time and time and time and time again. We know that of the Old Testament. We did a year in the Bible last year. The sin cycle was the children of Israel did good. Then they thought everything was great, so they backed away from God, and then everything fell apart, and then God had to send a prophet or a judge or a priest over and over and over and over. Two years. They're out in the wilderness because of disobedience. So they've been traveling And they come up to a place, it's a really interesting name, it's called Kadesh Barnea. It's where we get the word Barnes and Noble, just joking. And they're getting ready to cross the Jordan, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. I mean, think about this. They are right there. Years of bondage, we know that. Years in the desert, in the wilderness, cycling over and over, and they are right there. Literally, the promise of God to them is getting ready to happen. For 400 years, they've had this promise. Think, we don't live to be 400, but just imagine for a moment having a promise for, let's just say, 20 years. And you are right on the brink of it happening, and you knew it would happen. How much anticipation would you have in that moment? Think about it now in the realm of 400 years. For 400 years, This promise from God has not taken place, and they are right on the brink of it. So Moses, this is what he does. He sends 12 spies to check out the land. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know this story. 12 spies. We have 12 tribes of Judah. So they they send these, these spies over there. So they come back, right? I'm just giving you the paraphrase story here. They come back, and they give report. Now, what I'm going to show you here real quick quick, is how, how faith works and how faith doesn't work. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, watch here, let us go up at once, take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now think about this. They have walked away from bigger armies than the one they're getting ready to deal with. Huge. They're getting ready to deal with the tribe. And Caleb goes, got this making it happen. Very next verse, verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Now, those two verses real quick give us a natural side of faith 
and a spiritual side of faith. You are either seeing God and the things of God and the ways of God with your natural eyes or you are seeing them with your spiritual eyes. Do you understand the difference? Okay, here's how it's gonna play out. Let me answer this question. What happens when we only see things in the natural, with our natural eyes? These are gonna be the same things that we deal with today that they dealt with right here. Point number one is this. We magnify our difficulties. When we see things in the natural and we don't see them through the lens of God and God's word and God's ways, what happens? We magnify problems. Any of you who have children know exactly what I'm talking about. Because they're in the backyard, you're sitting in the house, they're playing with brother or sister or sister and sister, and one of them does something to the other one. It's not that big of a deal, but the one who had something done with them runs into the house with the greatest puppy dog tears you have ever seen. They are screaming, they are upset, they're like, they hurt me! And what do you do as a parent? No, they didn't. I watched the whole thing. What happened in that moment? Somebody magnified the problem. Yeah, Cindy knows. Now, think about this. Here's the amazing thing. Think about this as the children of Israel. God has already miraculously delivered them from Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a big deal. Pharaoh had a big army. Pharaoh had plenty of resources. And now all of a sudden, which by the way, they're the most powerful nation at the time when this took place, okay? Now all of a sudden, they're worried about this small little local tribe. No way. We went over there. We saw it. Man, those guys, whoo, they are strong. They had already forgotten what God was able to do to Pharaoh and his armies. And what did they do? They magnified the problem. The difficulties got bigger. Here's the deal. When you're looking with natural eyes, the problems and the challenges will always get bigger. And can I throw this in there? The more you look at it, the bigger it's going to get. See, when you decide to make your challenges and your problems, and we all have them, by the way, when you decide to make them bigger than God, you've been looking way too long. Numbers 13, 27, watch here. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They brought the fruit back, huge, ginormous. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. Their cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Huge, ginormous. All of a sudden, they're taking this problem, this, this fortified city, making it bigger. You see all the words there? Large, huge. Carrying on, verse 31. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land though which we have gone as spies is a land that devours. Watch the verbiage here. It's inhabitants. That's a little extreme. And all the people whom saw are men of great stature. They're tall, they're huge, they're big. They do CrossFit. Or plays golf. There we saw the giants, the descendants, and they came, and they're giants. 
And watch here. This is how you make a big problem even bigger. You start to exaggerate the truth. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we are in their sight. How much of an exaggeration is that? A a grasshopper. By the way, I hate grasshoppers. You, you want to see me run? I run from God. They, they've flown at me before. So don't come ask me to kill anything in your house. Call, call Vanessa. What do they do, guys? They magnified the problem. They magnified it. They made it bigger than, than what it was. Okay, let's bring this to a personal level. Has God ever gotten you out of a problem and then when you look back at it you thought to yourself what was I so worried about what'd you do you magnified the problem if God's God listen like I said you either have a problem or you either are the problem we all got them I know I joke all the time I'm like men do not look to your left or to your right when I make statements like that eyes forward eyes forward good soldier Get you in a lot of trouble. And you, 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 step, you step away and you're just like, man, why was I so worried? Listen, if God's God, either believe it or don't. Yeah. And you can take him at his word, by the way. So they, they did that. What happens when we see through our naturalized number two is we get discouraged and we lose hope. Man, how how many of you guys know, when you lose hope on a situation, it's hard to get things back. You know what I mean? Numbers chapter 14, very next chapter. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and, and people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, watch here, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. My goodness. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Oh, it's getting worse. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Hebrews, why should we follow Jesus? Let's go back to the law. Same thing. Human nature hasn't changed. When everything goes bad, what do we do? Let's just go back to what I know. Peter, what did he do? Went back to what he knew. Why? Lost hope. He didn't keep himself in Christ, in God, full of faith, full of hope. And when you do that, you get discouraged as Omar comes. Their thinking had become so distorted that they started looking back at their 400 years of slavery with fondness, as if it looked better. They would say things like, well, at least it was predictable. Yeah, 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 we were slaves, but we were, we were safe. Oh man, back in those days, we didn't have to take any risks. We didn't have all these problems to deal with. Listen to me. There is no doubt about it. Following God will often require you to step out of your comfort zone. Period. That's the life of faith. When you choose to live in faith, I'm telling you right now, it is invigorating. 
I'm surprised I just used a big word. I'm telling you, it is so, when you're believing God for something so good that, that is so far that only God can pull it off, you know what it does? It's so far out there, but it helps me get up in the morning right here when I'm saying I want to believe God for whatever that is. Because why? You wake up with this hope and this anticipation that every single day I get to do something that helps me work towards it. But man, when you lose your hope, you lose your joy. And man, when you lose your joy, you're no fun to be around. No one is. It's miserable, man. When you walk into a room, the energy goes out. When you see a person who truly loses hope, it's almost like they give up on the right to live life. Why? Because you've taken a problem that God can fix and you've determined, no, can't happen. Listen, we are called to be people who see things from God's perspective, who trust God to open spiritual eyes, who follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, who take steps that, yes, are sometimes completely uncomfortable, but we're called to be people who have faith in God. Which leads me to this question. What happens when God opens our eyes to see with eyes of faith? I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you point number one. Faith begins to shrink the size of your problems. Now all of a sudden the problems that were magnifying and getting big, all of a sudden when I have faith, what does faith do? It begins to shrink. I use that word shrink because sometimes it doesn't always fully go away. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But if anything, it's going to take that problem and it's going to make it smaller. You see, when God opens the eyes of your heart so that you can see what God is doing around you, you begin to see what you couldn't see with your natural eyes. You begin to see things from God's perspective. You begin to see that He is good and He is big and He is in control. Think of what God, God asked Abraham this question in Genesis 18, 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Absolutely not. I don't know what you came in here with. I don't know about you watching online. There is not a problem in your life that is too big for God. He is that good. He is that big. If you can trust him and if you can have faith and you, if you can believe, if you can get a word on the inside of your heart, He'll come through every single time in his way, which, by the way, is better than yours. Listen, I am so glad there are prayers in my life that have gone unanswered. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but man, I prayed some crazy, very immature prayers in my younger days. Don't, don't look at me like that. I'm starting to feel a little, a little insecure now. If God would have given me some of the things I was praying about, oh my goodness. I, I would go even as far to say that as God, in the way, by the way, he does this for all of us, as he matures us and our character gets better, I know why God didn't answer some of my prayers early on because I didn't have the character to sustain what he would have done. See, sometimes in life, we don't have what we're asking for because if we got it, our character couldn't sustain us. We're not, in other words, we're not ready for it yet doesn't mean that God's done with us. No, it means God's working things in your life. But could it just be the reason you don't have the answer to your prayers because you couldn't handle it if you got it? You couldn't steward it right? Maybe God's got to work on your character a little bit, your decision-making a little bit, your idea of him a little bit before he gives you that desire. 
We're just impatient people, aren't we? Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You stood at your microwave today for the fifth time, heating up your coffee for 20 seconds, and you're like, get over now. You spend 10 minutes at a fast food joint, you are upset and mad and calling for a manager. Well, because you know in slow, you have to get out of your vehicle and actually walk inside fast food. They're like, if you're going to eat unhealthy, at least you're going to walk for it. And you're like, goodness gracious. I moved to this town, and I'm like, what do you mean there's no drive-thru at Taco Bell? Nowhere. No drive-thru. I'm like, what? The bank? What is wrong with you people? Is there anything to do hard for God? No. Number two, when you see the way God wants you to see, faith opens doors that otherwise would shut. When you study the Bible, you quickly learn that every time God moves in the earth and does something miraculous, watch here, it's because someone believed. Go back, look at every miracle that Jesus performed. Until they believed, he wouldn't do the miracle. They had to have what? They had to have faith. They had to have faith. Come on, Jesus wanted to heal everything. Matter of fact, Jesus even left a place because there was no faith to be found. So meaning that if I just walk in faith, my prayers could be answered. Look at Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Not faith in your ability. Not faith in your overtime so you can get more money. Not faith in what somebody else could do for you to promote you. No, no, no. Faith in God. For surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Uh-oh. That gets a little confusing. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay, ready? I'm going to revert, revert back to the, I might say something to offend you. This is where blab it and grab it comes. Hear me. I have great friends who believe that if you just speak it, it's going to happen. I, I have friends that I love dearly. They say things like, well, you just got to fake it till you make it. That's not the Bible. Because what we do is we take this portion of Scripture right here and we make this gospel. But we don't consider when we back up, whatever you ask when you, what's that word? Pray. Um, who taught us how to pray? Jesus. Remember the disciples? Okay, guys, this is where taking a scripture and cross-referencing it to another scripture gives you proper context. Jesus begin to say, when you pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Your kingdom come. Your will. So could it just be that if you take this scripture and you don't understand that part, that you could say, okay, well, he says, if I just pray about it, that means it's mine. No, because your prayer needs to end with not my will, but your will be done. So is God against you saying his, your, your desires? God, could you answer this? He's not against all that. As long as, but Lord, your will, not mine. 
Do you see what happens here? Because God is our Father, and He gives good things, and He knows us best. So sometimes it's like, nope, can't give that to you now. I will later, just not right now. It's not a part of my will right now for you to have that. And sometimes we see that as a no. No, it's not a no. It just might happen over here. So when you pray, you have faith, but it's according to His will. Amen? A little bit of a teaching moment here, but I think it's worth us knowing that's how this thing works. Because if it wasn't that way, how many unanswered prayers we need to rack up before you just said, okay, I don't think this prayer thing works. You'd give up. It's human nature to give up. So that's how he does that. Notice the words in Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And friends, I tell you that today. According to your faith, let it be to you. Last point, and then we close. Number three is faith gives me strength to hold on in tough times. When I see things in the spirit, through spiritual eyes, when tough times come, faith gives me strength. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Wow. That means, have you ever felt hard-pressed on every side? Is it going on right now? Do you feel crushed? Do you feel perplexed? Do you feel in despair? Do you feel persecuted, forsaken? It's normal for us in life to have these moments. But then the Word says, look, here's the deal. If you feel you're hard-pressed on every side, but you're not crushed, not destroyed, not over. I have hope, I've got peace, I've got joy, I've got faith. So yeah, things might not look good right now. Relationships might not look good right now. Finances might not look good right now. Children might not look good right now. Health might not look good. All these things might not look good. But guess what? You're not destroyed. There's a hope, but you've got to get it here. It's got to come from here. You've got to have faith to believe that God will come through. That, my friends, is faith. And everyone said, amen. Could you, could you stand to your feet this morning as I close? Man, am I going to see through my natural eyes that only see problems and problems getting bigger? Or am I going to see through the eyes of faith and understand that God is bigger than my problems? When we only see through our natural eyes, we magnify our difficulties, we get discouraged, and we lose hope. It happens every time. But when we have our spiritual eyes on, our faith shrinks the size of our problems. Our faith opens doors, otherwise that would be shut. Our faith gives me strength to hold on in tough times. And friends, let me just tell you, I feel like for the past two years of this whole thing in my life, I have never struggled more in my whole entirety of serving Jesus in 21 years than I have in this season. I told you at the beginning of the message I was going to share with you 
what I'm going through. And I don't share this for sympathy. I, I don't do that. I, I share it because I want you to understand that all of us face this. All of us face hard times. And the transparency that we can have with one another and the strength that that brings as a body of Christ and a community of believers, it's life-changing. There are so many things where I have witnessed in this whole thing of COVID and that all of us have, right? We don't need to get into all the depths of that because we already know all the depths of that. But I tell you that the toll that it has taken on leaders, not just in the church, leaders, organizations, businesses, and even pastors in a church of how you have to juggle and deal with so many opposing opinions, so much fact and unfact, so much fear. And I'm telling you from day one, I kid you not, you can go back to the archives. Before we had to shut down for the the weeks that we did, the message I spoke on was on fear. And the title of the message was, Do Not Fear. And then for two years, I watched as the world around us feared. And things began to shut down. I cannot tell you the weight of trying to make sure that everybody in this body not only was being taken care of, was being ministered to. I love everyone in this place, but some of you were saying shut down. Some of you were saying don't shut down. Some of you were saying, how dare you not require masks? Some of you were saying require. I mean, I cannot tell you, and I'm not the only pastor in America, by the way, it was tough. And I, I, I'm, the, the weight of wanting to do right by people and be a good, my last name's Shepherd, so it sounds really weird when I say, and be a good shepherd. <laughs> my last name's Shepherd. But to be a good shepherd, that's, that's my, my role as a pastor. Listen, I will preach God's word unashamed. I will study hard all week long. I'm a shepherd. I want to go to lunch with you. I want to visit you in the hospital. I want to help you pay your bills. Be careful on me on that one, though. <laughs> but I mean it. I want to take care of you. That, that's my job as a pastor. I am not a marketer. I am not trying to be a mega church pastor. I'm not, I'm not him. If you're looking for a church like that, this is not the right church. Do I want this place full of people? Yeah, because God's moving, and God's responsible for that. I'm not responsible for that. I'm responsible to steward who God sends. But I'm going to tell you, it has become incredibly difficult even still to watch that even as we are coming out of this deal, how many people have not returned to church. It's not an ego thing for me. Some of you, man, you get real nervous for me when you look around at the beginning of a service and five people are here and you have a worship team looking at you and you're like, some of you guys are nervous for me. Can I just tell you, I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous because as long as I've lived in slow, you all run on slow time. On time, it's like 15 minutes late to you all, okay? So I'm Sacramento, Northern California, born and raised. You show up 30 minutes early and sit around and sit around. Some of you don't get mad either too. I can call you late if you're late. And I'll trump the conversation with one sentence. You ready? You don't show up late to work now, do you? Oh, I... I step back, I step back. But listen, listen, listen. I, I, that doesn't make me nervous. You wanna know what makes me nervous? What weighs on my heart at night are those who are slowly, and I don't even recognize it, are walking away from their faith in Christ. 
because the priorities of God is no longer a priority to them. It, it's hard. And I can't describe it to you other than I'm so thankful for my wife who asks me very tough questions. But I can't tell you the last time in a year that I've gotten a full night of sleep. I just can't. I don't remember. I wake up hours on end. And I'm telling you, the first thought on my mind is you. And it's our church. And it's the fact that I want God to do something so significant in our church, not for the sake of, look at us, this Christ church, it's not your church. It's because of the mandate that we have, which is to inspire and equip people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And my fear is that that word fully has been transgressed down to when it's convenient. And it's hard for me because I know how much God can do in a person's life. But it's hard for God to move fully in your life when you've got one foot in and another foot out. And I, this, this, so when I tell you this is, this is what's on when this whole idea of faith, I'm believing God for two things. And at times for me, I don't even know how to fully wrap my mind around it or my head around it other than I've just been saying it with Vanessa and we, we don't fully have an answer for it, but we just know it's God. So this is the faith and this is the thing that God has brought to my attention all across the Central Coast and this town. And I know you're standing long, just, just track with me, okay? There are churches that have their expression of what God has called them to do. And I'm so thankful for that. At our Good Friday service, we combined with 10 plus other churches. It was standing room only, wall to wall, people in the lobby. And an expression of church came together. And it was awesome. The worship wasn't all the same. The speaking wasn't all the same. You see, when you're in church world long enough, you know that there need to be different types of churches for the body of Christ to move in a city. If we all looked like we were the same, it would be less effective. Some people do not like big church. Some people do not like moving crazy lights and smoke. They don't. Some people don't like hyperactive preachers. I don't, I don't mean that rudely. It's just, it's just not their mix. I, I'm just educating us all here, especially if you're new to church. You, you have to find a church that you could grow in the things of God with. That's the key point. I tell people, when you're trying out a new church, don't just go one week. The pastor could have been very off that week. The worship team, in their own land. Like, you can't judge them on one week. You've got to give them some time. It's like, are you good five days a week at your job? But man, when people visit churches, man, they put churches on the spot. Pfft, didn't sing my song. I'm out of here. These guys talk about money. Peace. See you. Right? And so I was hit with the question a couple weeks ago. And it hit me so hard. And it was, if you were to define what type of church you are, what are you? 
Now, some of you will be super kind to me and you say, oh, but pastor, and I get all that. I'm not trying to diminish that. I could not answer the question. I couldn't. It's not because I don't have vision. I know the vision of our church. But what it feels like since COVID is it feels like I'm having to convince Christians and believers to be a part of the body again. And it's taxing. And it's tiresome. I shouldn't have to convince people to put God first in their life when they're believers. I have to encourage at times because our faith, we are leaky vessels. Oh my goodness. Listen, I didn't want to come to church this morning and I passed to the church. I was tired. A significant person in my family hit a milestone in his age. And he kept us out late last night. I might have ate too much sugar, but that's fine. But I woke up this morning going, whew. I even had to ask myself, if I wasn't the pastor of church, would I take today off? I'm not trying to, by the way, no guilt here. But what I am doing is I'm calling you to fully devotion to Christ. And so I felt God say, or if I couldn't answer this question. What type of church are we? And then Mike will remember, because I told him probably three months ago. And Vanessa, who's in the other room watching on the screen, by the way, if you serve in our nursery and all that stuff, you don't miss service, by the way. They got a TV in there. It pumps the whole service in there. So you're great. You can burp a baby, you can change a baby, and you can get Jesus all at the same time. It's really cool. <laughs> change diapers for Jesus and still raise a hallelujah, okay? And I said, babe, I, I think I know one of them. And you can ask Taylor, our kids director. We sat in a room at the beginning of the year. And this is what we felt God was telling us. You need to make disciples who make disciples. That's the mandate that Jesus gave. And can I just tell you, that's not the role of a pastor. That's a role of every believer. Now the finger's going this way and still three pointing back. Go make disciples who, who make disciples. So if I asked you a question, believer, Christian, who are you discipling? Is there an answer for that? If there's not, please don't beat yourself up. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Satan is the one of condemnation. God is not condemnation. The Holy Spirit, though, is conviction, and conviction is out of love and stems from the Word of God. So when we feel like, oh, I missed it on that one, the feeling should not be, I'm a failure. No, the feeling should be, okay, God, you've got my attention now. Okay? I feel God is calling our church, if we were to say, or if we were to be asked, hey, what, what type of church is Canyon Hills, San Luis Obispo, that a person who maybe doesn't even attend this church would say, those guys create disciples. That was the first thing. The second thing that the Holy Spirit put on my heart, and it's the reason why I'm sharing this part right here and having you stand super long so you can cross off your, you know, your, your calorie count for the day because you've been standing and all that stuff, and you can thank me for that later. As I felt God say, I want you to begin to press into people's pain. And when that statement was made, 
it hit me so hard. Dave will tell you, we had a guy pull us aside last week at the end of our Easter service. First time here, doesn't even know who we are. He said, what can we do for you without even missing a beat? He goes, why? Well, I, I sure need someone to talk to. I'm divorced now and I've got a son and I don't know what to do. Pain. I feel like God said, it's time for you to press into the pain of not just us, but them. And if you push into the pain of people, if you push into their pain and you give them solution being Jesus, and they come to know Jesus as Lord and as Savior, the mandate then becomes disciple them. And all of a sudden, I was like, that's it. Because for two years, it's been all about, let's just get back to church on Sunday. Let's go back to things as usual. It's not going to work. Listen, if you own a business, if you're a business owner, how you led before this crisis is not how you lead out of this crisis. In our lifetime, in our generations, we have never seen anything like this before. So to think that the church could do what the church has always done coming out of this thing is a huge mistake. We need to do something different. And here's what I know about our world. They're in pain. So what does it look like for us as a church to begin to press into the pain of our city? That's why I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for my wife. I need you to pray for our team. Because I don't want to just do church. I don't want to just do three songs here, meet and greet here, high five here, video announcement here, 40 minute message here and longer today. Um, here, leave here. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. I want us to come into this place every single week with an ex expectation that the presence of God is going to flow in this place and our lives, yeah, come on, if you're going to clap, clap, and that our lives are going to be radically changed so that we can leave this place and go out and make disciples who make disciples. Could you pray for me? Could you pray for my wife? Because we want to make a difference in this town. We want to make a difference in the lives of people. We want to help you. Some of you have pain that we need to press into, and we're going to do that. All, listen, all in our church, we have people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol in our church. We have marriages that are on the brink. We have issues in our church. of people. They need us to press into their pain. Some of you, you have no idea who's sitting in this room and what they're going through. No idea. And they need God, and they need the body. So we're going to press. And here's why I say all of that. And I promise I close. Because for all of that, we need faith. So would you anchor your faith with my faith? Because I would be honored and privileged to anchor my faith with your faith. Whether you're a college student, a business owner, an academy owner, whatever the case may be, I want to anchor my faith with you and believe that God's going to do something big. But it will be according to your faith. Jesus, we love you. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.